Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. And so we are going to close out the hearing God. Say that with me, hearing God. Do it a little bit louder. And so today, and I really mean this, I, I have a sense and a hunch. Someone needs to hear God. You're at an intersection and MapQuest isn't working and you don't know which way to go. They will be a voice not only behind you, in front of you, to the right and the left of you, above you, beneath you, and in you, you will hear the voice saying, this is the way, walk in it, and you'll find that your life will be in a wide, open, spacious place where your foot will not be easily moved. I want to hear God. Can you say amen? Now, when it comes to the book of Revelation, as Michael and Jake began to tell us these past few weeks, there's two approaches to this book. One is that they overemphasize it or they avoid it at all costs. Uh, I was raised Catholic, and we really never heard of the book of Revelation. We knew a lot about Mary and the saints and purgatory, but I never really heard of the mark of the beast or 666, or maybe it was the pope or a prime minister or president that could be the antichrist or the false prophet. Never really heard that. But when in 1980, my aunt invited me to a church. Now, some of you are going to be really nervous when I tell you what kind of church. It was a Pentecostal church. And and we're crazy. And Pentecostals and Baptists have one thing in common. They love the scripture and they love the old King James Bible. I'm not talking about LeBron. I'm talking about the King James, the KJV edition of the Bible. And, And what book did they study every week was the book of Revelation. And so the book of Revelation, the way they would teach it, they would have charts and diagrams. They taught it as a three-story house. That in chapter one, when you walked into the foyer of the house, you saw Jesus Christ. And that's how it begins, the revelation of Jesus. Now, the way I used to say it when I was new to the scriptures was the revelations of Jesus Christ because they had so many revelations. But no, it's one revelation of Jesus Christ. Then as you come into the foyer, chapters two and three, and that's where we've been, it's been seven letters to seven churches. Now, these churches were real churches in Asia Minor. And John the Apostle, who's known John the Evangelist, who is the first cousin of Jesus, his mother Salome and the Virgin Mary were sisters. And in the gospel, which is my favorite gospel, is the gospel of John. And they say that book is the greatest book ever penned by any human being, that he is the disciple that Jesus loved. And they really think that the reason that he would state that he was Jesus' first cousin. However, the book of Revelation was written before the gospel of John. And so when you get to chapters two and three, it's to the letters of the church, not only in the past, the church today and the church in the future, then chapter 4 to 11, you're going to go right up to heaven, go up, it's a three-level home, and you're going to see end-time events from heaven's perspective. Then as you go from 12 to about 18, you'll see it from earth's perspective, hell's perspective, then it ends with God's reality. And so what had happened? As Christianity was born on the day of Pentecost in the church, was flourishing, persecution began to hit the church, and the church was scattered throughout Asia Minor. Minor? Good God, you can tell I'm from Louisiana. Asia Minor, you know, and so, and the Roman Empire. And you must begin to know this, they begin to not only persecute, but they begin to kill believers. And so John, the apostle, 
is the last apostle, and they had an emperor, and his name is Domitian, and he was an egomaniac, demonic at best. He had statues of himself throughout the Roman Empire, and he said, what I'm going to do, they filled a Colosseum in Ephesus, which Becky and I years ago got to visit, and normally what they would do in the Colosseum, kind of like the Wizard of Oz, they would call for lions, tigers, and bears, oh my. And uh, to devour the Christians. But Domitian said, no, not this time. This guy, please get this. This guy worships so much. We're going to see how he worships. We're going to put him in a vat of boiling oil. And they will see him curse the name of his God. However, when Domitian's soldiers lowered John into the boiling oil, he not only, his body did not suffer harm, which is a miracle, his hands went up, as history states it, and he begins to worship. And when you begin to think about revelation, never, ever, ever think it's about signs and symbols and plagues and the Antichrist in the mark of the beast. It is about Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who will be worshipped. And this is what it says. It says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All things were created by your will for you, and they exist because of you. It says glory. Say it with me if you know it. Glory and might and power and honor be unto the Lamb. You feel unworthy today? It doesn't matter. The Lamb is worthy. Even when you're unworthy, worship him. He is worthy. Can you say amen? And it's all about worship. So the two extremes is to overemphasize it or we avoid it. Now, people think all revelation is, this is the number one question the Baptists and the Pentecostals ask, when is the rapture? Well, I used to be pre-trib. Then I read chapter 12. Then I became mid-trib. Then I read 18. I became post-trib. Now I've avoided all that. I know when Jesus is coming back. I am telling you, in 1988, they had 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back. 1999, 99 reasons when he's coming back. I know the exact time Jesus is coming back. If you want to know, raise both hands. Oh, you don't want to know. Oh, my goodness. No, I don't want to know. I have fun to do. When he comes, that's when I'm raptured. Amen? Can you say amen? Amen. Now, everyone say this when you say hearing Hearing. God. Now, a phrase that's in all seven letters is this. He or she who has ears, let them hear what the Spirit not said, not will say, but is saying. That's present tense. Everyone who's under the sound of my voice in this auditorium and online, God wants to speak to you individually. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And that's where victory and overcoming power becomes a reality. Any area in my life or your life, I'm defeated. It's an area where I'm not hearing. And faith does not come by doing, trying, or being perfect. It comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing what the Spirit is saying to Jude, to Becky, this church in California. Can you say amen? Now, if you have your Bibles, open up to Revelation. Kind of poke your neighbor and say, uh, put your ears on. I love that when like elementary teachers say, now students class, put your ears on, put your ears on. We got to hear. Here it goes. And I love this. It says, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write these things says the amen, the faithful 
and true witness. He's quoting right from Isaiah that God, Jehovah, is called the amen, not just an amen. Do you ever hear a preacher say, can I have an amen? It's not an amen. It is the amen. And he's not only true, and that's a real buzz phrase. I live in my truth. I'm just being real, keeping it real. Too real for me. Why don't you just lie a little bit? No. And so it says the amen, and it says this, he who is faithful and true. You could be authentic but yet not faithful in the end times God is calling us not only to sign up but to show up for church did you hear what I just said and he goes the beginning of the creation of God I know your works underline that every person every church has a work Jesus said you'll do greater works than these and your work is to believe that you're neither cold nor hot I wish you were cold or hot so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot I will vomit you out of my mouth then he goes on he says because you say I am rich and I become wealthy and have need of nothing I do not know you and do not know that you are wretched miserable poor blind and naked I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich in white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see as many as I love I rebuke and chasten therefore be zealous and repent that means to change your heart change your mind behold I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come into him and dine with him and he with me to him who overcomes that means we have victory we're not defeated I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne he who has come on let's read this together it's the key phrase in all these letters and I must say I feel an urgency in a way that the church in the day that we're living in, specifically in the United States, I believe this letter is for the United States more than probably any other nation at this present moment. Let's read this. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And, and so I want to begin to tell you a little bit about Liado Sea. It was the largest of three cities. The area where Becky and I were born and raised was called the Tri-City Area. And, but yet Liado Sea was the largest. Now, it did not have a natural fortress like Sardis that Michael beautifully spoke on. But it had a vulnerability that its water supply came six miles north uh, from an aqueduct. So when the enemy, he could go, the enemy could come in, seize that aqueduct, then it stopped the water supply. And so we're going to look at water. Then it began to speak. The Laodiceans were very wealthy. In fact, in 60 AD, an earthquake decimated that city. And the Senate in Rome had approved and sent financial support to the Laodicean. However, they were so proud, they, they they thought they were then some in a can of Pringles. They said, no, we don't need your support. They rejected it. We don't want your wealth. They began to rebuild their city. In fact, they began in 79 AD after the destruction of Jerusalem began to build a great Colosseum. And you must know this, they had a huge Jewish population and the Jewish population, their bankers sent money to Laodicea and the Laodiceans. And again, they said, no, we do not need your money. I want us to go back to Revelation chapter 3. And let's begin to start with 14. And I want to highlight this. I want you to look at water and what is the symbol and what is he saying. Then we're going to look at their wealth because remember he says, you need to ask me for gold that has been refined. Then he's going to begin to talk about their clothes or their garments. And we're going to begin to unpack this. And I like this. It says, 
and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write. Now, angel doesn't just mean angels in the outfield. We live in the shadow of Los Angeles, and Los Angeles means the messengers. And isn't it amazing that that city is the communication capital of the world? So he's saying it could have been a pastor, it could have been a preacher, it could have been a communicator. He's saying, write these things. And I like this. He says, these things says, amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Now, get this. In the gospel of John, it starts off, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh or a human being and dwelt among us. You could tell he's talking about God, the God man, Jesus, son of God, son of man. He is faithful and he is true. He says, I know your words that you're neither hot nor or you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, let me just tell you how I was taught when we begin to get into the book of Revelation. This is how the Baptists and the Pentecostals teach it. If you were hot, that meant you were on fire for God. I remember having that phrase connected to Becky and I. When we first met, we're in church. She fell in love with me. She was checking me out doing worship. How many of you know that's a lukewarm thing to do? No, come on. And so they would say, Jude and Becky are on fire for God. That meant we were hot. Now, if you were cold, that meant you weren't even regenerated. You weren't born again. In fact, in those churches, they were so legalistic, it would have been better for you to be totally lost and to be a believer and have compromise in your life. And so they, they said it this way. I want you to be hot. That's on fire for Jesus. It would be better if you're not even saved than to be lukewarm. And so we thought lukewarm was just someone who's compromising. Now, get this. Laodicea, because of the aqueducts, they also, in the city, had a great medical school. In fact, they have unearthed archaeologists' coins with names of physicians that lived in Laodicea, and they would treat people. And so they had two types of springs in Laodicea. One was a hot spring. Becky and I, when we were first married, we'd go to Glenwood Springs, Colorado, and they had a natural hot spring that was big as an Olympic swimming pool. Now, you, it's awesome. I mean, you get in, you could have an ache, you could have a pain, and your body feels better, but it's, uh, come on, it feels like heaven, but it smells like hell. And I mean, it's in, in fact, we're in that pool. And I go, Becky, my gosh, girl, what is that smell? She goes, it's not me. Is it you? And I go, no, it's this water. And it was hot. Now, my parents, because we were from Louisiana, took us. You'll never guess where they took us. Hot Springs, Arkansas. In Hot Springs, Arkansas, you would sit in a hot bath that came up from hot springs from the ground. I was little. I remember my mom and dad came knocking. Jude, come on. I go, no, I'm not getting out of this hot water. I like it. And can I say it was awesome and it would heal people. Now they also had cool refreshing springs where people would come and drink and it would refresh them. So it had the ability, get this, to refresh in the hot water to heal. Now water in scripture has a great spiritual significance. Remember what Jesus said, the last conference, the late, late, uh, late great day of the feast said this, Whoever is thirsty, let them come unto me, and out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, there is a river that flows from the throne of God, the river of God, and it makes glad the people of God. If you've ever met a sad, depressed believer, they need a drink, a little bit of the water that flows. 
arose from the throne of God. And so when he's saying, I wish you were hot, I wish you were cold, he's not saying lukewarm, I mean, that you're on fire, you're not on fire. He is saying this, would it happen? The hot water springs had got into the cool water and it had pollutants in the hot water springs. Remember, Becky and I, it smells. Why does it smell? It's hot. It heals. It feels good. But it is fatal if you digest it. And the hot water was mixed with the cool, drinkable, refreshing water. And they were drinking it. And it was bringing harm to their body. I think today we enjoy the healing presence of Jesus Christ in our church, in our groups, on our team. However, we cannot allow the water of culture to come in and begin to mix up with the waters of our God. In fact, in Revelation chapter 12, it talks about the end time. And it shows you what the church will be. I then saw, it said, a sign in heaven. I saw a woman. The church is depicted as a woman. The last Eve. And says she is clothed with sun, moon, and stars. She has 12 stars that crown her head. She gives birth to a man child. Can I say the church in the last days will not be small and insignificant? significant. The church of the last days will be large. It will be huge. It will be potent and powerful. Then there was a dragon because whenever a church bursts something for God, Satan gets angry because whatever is born of God overcomes. And the Bible says that the dragon took a third of the stars with him. And it says that war broke out in heaven. But get this, in the enemy spewed a flood to devour the woman's child, the church. But can I say, we're not drinking with the world serving. This isn't just about a cold brew and a hot cup of coffee. The church will have power in the end time to heal people and to refresh culture that they can experience Jesus Christ. Come on. Can you say Amen. And so go with me. Let's continue to read. I want you to really get this. This is so, so powerful. Then it goes on, and I love this. This is verse 16. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. 17. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, do you not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? Oh, man. Did I just say naked the way I did? That's Louisiana coming out of me again. Can I say right now, this seems a lot like the United States. Sometimes when we travel and have an opportunity to go overseas, people will ask me the question, Pastor Jude, why do ministers see more miracles in Africa, Asia, third world countries, and we don't see the same miracles in America? It could be we depend on our prosperity, our technology, our advancement so much. And he said this, ask of me, please get this for ISAP. Now, in Laodicea, they had a medical cream. It was a Phrygian eye powder. And if your eye was swollen shut, they would put this eye salve on and it would heal their eyes. Now get that. I don't care how pretty your eyes are. I don't care how great your eyesight is. If it's shut, you cannot see. Last week, my right eye got an infection where I had to go to my primary care physician he gave me medical drops. I couldn't even open my eye. I believe today one of the greatest needs of the church of the end time is vision. And it's a vision, first of all, of Jesus Christ. That when we begin to see who Jesus is, and can I say, Jesus isn't just putting something cosmetic on our eyes for us to see. In fact, I feel right now Jesus is spitting in mud. His saliva carries his supernatural divine DNA and he is going to rub it on the church's eye. This is beyond medicine and we are going to have a vision of Jesus Christ and the church will conquer in the end of time. Can you say amen? Give the Lord a shout and a hand clap on that. 
And can you see the Laodiceans resisting the help of Rome? The Laodiceans resisting the help of Jewish bankers. Can I say right now, the church of Jesus Christ, I believe we're going to begin to give more than we have ever given. The marketplace ministry of this house, your greatest days are just around the corner. You'll get more jobs, better jobs, more opportunities. Why? Because God is going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Go with me to this scripture. I want you to go to Colossians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. Paul wrote and mentioned the church of Laodicea in this book. And again, it's Colossians 4, 16 to 17. It says, now, when this letter or epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read this epistle from Laodicea, and say to Archippus, Archippus was a believer who was successful in the marketplace, take heed to the ministry. Say that with me, take I believe the day we're living in that everyone is called to be a minister. Whether you work at Starbucks, a barista, a mom, a dad, a nurse, a teacher, a filmmaker, we're all called to the ministry. It says, take heed to the ministry which you have received, where and how? In the Lord. Why? That you may fulfill it. Can I say, many times we start off needing God, become successful, and like the Laodiceans, then we don't seek the help of God. One of the greatest prayers that you can pray and anyone can pray this is the short shortest prayer and it works every time and that is the word help can I say even in a 12-step program they say we're helpless without divine intervention from a higher power we start off with Jesus needing in his help become successful and then we got it we got it on our own no you're not going to do it yourself you need the intervention of Jesus Christ can you say amen And then I want you to know this. Everyone say close. Let's read this part. I want to go back to Revelation. You have your Bibles. Go back to the book of Revelation, chapter 3. It says this in verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire that you may be rich in white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. I want you to know this. In Laodicea, they had black silk and they would make these black garments and people from all over Asia would come in the Roman Empire to purchase these black garments. Now, two weeks ago, uh, we officiated probably at least the, I think I've done 200 weddings. See, if I give this up, I'm moving to Vegas. I'm just going to do weddings all day. (laughs) And, And I've never, ever, ever seen a bride come down in a black dress. Mainly it's white. Sometimes I've seen yellow, some long dresses, short dresses, but never a black dress. The reason, I I don't know, I love black. It's my favorite color. Why do I like black? Number one, you could spill coffee on the black shirt and you can't see it. Number two, you could eat pizza like a fool and get it all over your black shirt and no one's going to know. But the bad thing about being a bride and the church is the bride of Christ and we are clothed in white garments, it represents atonement, it represents purity, it represents holiness. Can I say when you get a spot or a stain, it's going to show. Okay, people ask me, they say, Pastor Jude, you look so young. Have you gotten Botox or little filler? Well, all right, I'll come public with it and clean. Yes a little bit and I have a scripture for it. Jesus is coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. Now, where is the first place in the Bible that it speaks about someone not having clothing? You see, the original couple, before they did their will, Come on, he went with Yahweh instead of Yahweh. And so, that's dumb. I did that as a youth pastor. Come on, you want Yahweh or Yahweh? Come on, get it. It says that the original couple, they were naked, but they weren't ashamed. Why? Because their clothing came from the inside out, almost like an eagle in its feathers. But the moment 
Adam and Eve chose their will over God's will. They sensed that they were vulnerable. They were naked. What did they do? They hid. If you're a young person in this room, never, ever hide your sin. Because he or she who hides their transgression will not prosper. That doesn't mean you may not make money. You may have money, but you'll be destroyed. So what did they do? They hid themselves. Then they covered themselves with leaves. One of my favorite things that our friend Rick taught our boys, they had apple trees. And he had asked the boys, Jude, John, and Jake, have you ever tasted a live apple? And they kind of looked. And Rick would say, come on, John, get up there. The apple's still on the tree. It's still living. Take a bite out of it while it's still living. John took a bite. He goes, doesn't it taste different? John goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But once you pick it, he said, the apple's now dead. Listen to this. In Isaiah, it says, your righteousness, your righteousness, let's say it this way, my righteousness, our righteousness is like a fading leaf. Once you pick a leaf off the tree, it has no ability to stay alive. Righteousness from God's standpoint is not a list of do's and don'ts. It is something that's living. And so for a leaf to stay alive, it has to be connected to a tree. And so what else does it say in Isaiah? It says in your garment, your righteousness is like a filthy rag. So a filthy rag, back then they didn't have cars. If you're working on your car or your camel and you have to wipe your hands off because you're working on the camel and and you think that's a filthy rag. No, a rag it's talking about is a woman's cycle and after or during the cycle, it's a cloth that helps her. And what it is saying, when there is no birth, there is no righteousness. But guess what? We are not like the Leotosians. Our righteousness does not come from religion in doing this or doing that we have been born with righteousness coming from the inside out and we are covered and I would ask where are you vulnerable where do you feel ashamed what are you keeping a secret get in a group because secrecy brings shame and shame brings destruction God wants us liberated here in the end of time can you say amen say yes Lord And then I love it. Once again, he says, if you have eyes and you don't see, ask for ISAB. Now, you know what Helen Keller said? I was walking through her airport, coming back speaking. It was in Denver. I'll never forget this. They quoted her. She said, the only thing worse than being born blind is being born with sight, with no vision. What is your vision? Is Jesus Christ involved in it? If not, you need some ISAB. I'm going to invite the keys to come. This is my favorite, favorite thing. It says this. It says, let's go back to the scripture because you may have forgotten. Go back to Revelation chapter 3. You're going to love this, love this, love this. It goes on. It says that your shame of your nakedness may be not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eyes that you may see get this as many as I love I rebuke and chasten therefore be zealous and repent now look my grandkids are here and if I say Quincy Rio Jack Lucy Abishai please come on in and they don't I'm not going to back over them with my car can I say that's evil that's weird when it says those whom I love and just look If Lucy's going to run out in the street, of course I'm going to lift up my voice. Lucy, no. Why? Because I don't want her to be harmed. God's voice is needed in our personal lives because it's that voice, yes. He's going to tell you, you're good, you're smart, you're important, I have a vision for you. But he's also going to adjust you. He's going to adjust you. He's going to adjust the way you speak, the way you live, the way you talk. And he will correct you. Now, let's read on. And it says this. And I really love this part. It says here. It says, therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. This word in this book is all through it. In chapter 2 to one of the letters, it says, I have shut doors. And we hate that when a door's shut. He says, I shut doors that no man can open. I remember Becky and I were amazing youth pastors. I mean it. And I'm not saying that egotistically. It's just a fact. We were good. 
And you know why we were good? Because we were called. And we obeyed God's voice. And we loved it. I didn't want that season to end. When something's so good, you don't want it to end. And all of a sudden, I'll never forget my last youth camp as a, as a youth pastor. I heard a door shut. And it wasn't like a, just a wooden door. It was a door that went from the heavens to the earth and it was an iron door. It was like, and I knew it would never open again. And can I say, there are things in our lives, it's God that door shut. If the door of elementary school doesn't shut, how can you go to middle school? And if that door doesn't shut, how can you go to high school? And if high school doesn't end, come on. How can you go into your career or college or whatever it is? God cannot open doors if he doesn't shut doors. Doors in the Bible represent opportunity. Then I like what he says to one in the church. He said, you have little strength within you. This is for someone right now. And because you have not denied my name, I'm get this, get this. I'm going to set before you, City Church, California, an open door that no one, no prime minister, no president, no governor, no, 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 no. When God opens a door, there's not a devil big enough in hell to shut that door. Stop trying to open doors that God has not opened. When God opens a door, you simply walk through it. Can you say amen? And I have a word for someone, 1 Corinthians 16, 9. God is going to set before you a great and effective door with many opportunities, and you're going to simply walk through it. But I want to read you this. There's another door. I want you to go to Revelation chapter 4. Why can a door on earth be opened? Because there's one opened in heaven. Jesus is that great and effective door. Look at Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. He says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, say that with me, and the shout it out. Shout it out. Stop right there. If there's a first voice, then there can be a second voice. The problem in the end times is we need to be aware of the voice of God. And when you know that voice, there will always be a second or a third voice. Go with me. I want to read this. Genesis 27 22 it's Isaac remember Abraham had Isaac Isaac had Esau and Jacob the twins Esau his father called him Isaac and said go kill game make me stew I'm gonna bless you can I say right now God does not use his words to curse his people there is an unusual miraculous blessing that's coming on our church but it is released through knowing and hearing and being submitted to the first voice and so I want to read this it says after the no that's the wrong one it says Jacob went near I'm just going to have to do it from my notes. The screen's going crazy on me. It says, Jacob came near. Is that up there? Okay, I'm going to read it from the back. You don't mind. And Jacob came near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice, please get this. The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Eternal lesson. Go by what you hear not what you feel. Stop disobeying when you hear the first voice that the second voice of emotion and feeling come to get you to not do what God wants you to do. Let me just read to you what Martin Luther, the Protestant, said. Feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God. Nothing else is worth believing. Now, get this. In Latin, the word abadure, in Latin, remember, he who has ears, abadure in Latin, let him hear. Abadure means to listen with attentiveness, that you're so attentive to that voice that you'll hear. Now, I want you partial deafness. There's a, there's a Latin word for that. Impartial deafness is this, 
Sirtis, S-U-R-D-U-S, write that down, Sirtis. Now, profoundly deaf is absurdus, and it's where we get the English word absurd. To live life without hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit in your heart is absurd. We will be a church and a people who know, who are acquainted, and who hear the voice of God. Amen. You may not know this about me as we end. Uh, I'm a twin, and I was born with profound hearing loss. And so, yeah, now I know how my mom felt. My grandson, Quincy, I don't think he has hearing loss, but he is the loudest three-year-old. Whoever his teacher will be next year, she, she's going to have to get earplugs, okay? And so I had hearing loss, so my voice was even louder. And my mom would go, Jude, stop your shouting. They would have my hearing tested, and it came back. I had hearing loss. But as you age, I don't know if you know this, as you age, your middle bones in your ears get dull. And that's why a lot of elderly people, like my age, 60s, 70s, sometimes in their 50s, they need a hearing aid. Have you ever been around? I was going overseas to Ecuador with my friend Jerry, who's older than me. He had hearing problems. I had hearing problems. He'd ask me a question. I'd go, huh? Then I'd try to, he'd go, huh? The whole trip was, huh, 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 huh? We couldn't hear. I would be in the foyer of church. Expect, please get this, where it's difficult for someone with hearing loss, it is, and it's not absurd, it's, it's not absurd, you can kind of hear, is background noises. I think what the enemy is doing, he knows he cannot stop God from speaking. And he cannot stop us from hearing. But he's causing a lot of background noises to drown out what God is saying. To get us to move by what we feel instead of what we heard because faith comes by hearing. And so, kid you not, I would be in the foyer at church, and because people are talking, 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 someone would come up, Pastor Jude, my relative just passed away. But I would hear my relative got healed, and I go, praise the Lord. And Becky would hit me, she'd go, babe. I go, why are you hitting me? They died. Oh, I thought they were healed. So I would go, 15 years ago, I had a surgery in both ears. They peeled back the middle, the eardrum, put a titanium prosthesis in each ear. My hearing went up 70 decibels. I kid you not, if you say, man, you're still loud. Well, you couldn't have tolerated me if you heard me before the surgery. I'm at home, I say, I'm hearing something. I couldn't even watch TV unless the Bose speaker was at the highest with the caption. And I go, this is too loud. They had to bring it down to only one or two. Before that, it was like at 100. I said, I'm hearing something. What's that noise? And Becky says, babe, did you take pain medication? Come on, pain medication makes you feel like Jesus. Is that not true? <laughs> I know I shouldn't say that, but it's like, good Lord, I have the fruit of the Spirit naturally flowing out of me right now. Slap me, honey. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Come on. She literally, did you take pain medication? No, you're not hearing anything. I said, I'm hearing something. And she goes, ah, oh, you know what it is? It's the dishwasher. In my entire life, I had never heard the dishwasher. That's why I never put dishes in the dishwasher. <laughs> Can't hear it, don't believe in it, come on. That's how some people handle God. I ain't heard God, so I'm not believing in God. Go ahead. Live by your feelings and be a roller coaster and get in a train wreck, if you will. But right now, God is wanting to peel back the eardrums of our hearing, and He wants to give us ears. I believe the Holy Spirit is coming. He wants to put His fingers in our ears and open it up. I need to hear God, and it does not start with a loud voice. God's first language is silence, and we need to be still to hear the voice of God. That means cut off the Instagram for a little bit, put down the phone. Can I say, well, I hadn't heard God. Well, how can you? You hear the buzz of your iPhone or smartphone more than you hear the nudging of the Holy Spirit. And they say, if God isn't speaking, maybe you need to go back to the last time you heard his voice and see if you obeyed him. 
Aunt Cookie's 80th birthday was on Friday. On my Facebook, I wrote her a tribute. She's in heaven now. My heart aches. But I look at my life, and I look at Becky and I's life. I'm not that smart. And people say, oh, don't say that. You're really smart. No, I actually like it. Because if you are smart and all that, like the Laodicean, you're a can of Pringles, you're going to be judged more strictly. If you only have one deck in your card, be loud and preach Jesus, it's going to go a little bit better for me. People say, how did all this happen with you? Simply, we listened, and then we obeyed. And then we listened, and then we obeyed. What is God trying to get through our, our ears today? Just listen and obey. Maybe it's a business, a ministry. If you're involved in something and, and it's not working, Maybe it's the season where God's shutting that door. But don't be, don't be bitter over that because that means he's opening a better door. Amen? And I really believe that. Will you stand up with me? Our ears are connected to our eyes, which are connected to our heart. When I don't hear the Holy Spirit, I will not see Jesus. And when I don't see Jesus, I will not worship. And if I don't worship, my heart will remain the same. And I pray today that God will open the eyes of our understanding, that we will begin to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Amen. And this isn't just for people in the ministry. This is for you. We're living in a time where, can I say, we've got to put our ear not to the ground, but to heaven itself. Some of you are poised. The season that you're in is going to end. And you will be in a conundrum to enter into a new season without hearing God. The reason we pray on Thursday nights isn't to arm twist. I, I want to hear God. I want to know what God is saying for Jude and for Becky and my family in this church in California. And all I know that the voice of God is undeniable. And I don't know how to live any other way. I want to hear and obey. Amen. I want you to put your hands like this. Maybe shut your eyes. I want to speak peace to us. Some of you are too smart for your own good. That's the Laodicean. That's the Laodicean. Come on. It would be better to say, God, help. I don't know what to do. Instead of trying to pretend that you, you, you got it all together, it would simply be better saying, God, I'm not quite sure. There's ambiguity all around. God is not an opaque God. He is not a God of unclarity. He's not a God that's like a metal or a color that is so blunted you can't see through it. God is translucent light that you could see into the soul of God and you will see his beauty and hear how Jesus is described. He has white hair, speaking of righteousness. His feet are like brass. His eyes are flames of fire. His voice is like the ocean waves and thunder. His voice is unmistakable. It will uproot strongholds in a human being's life. It is now time to heal this nation. We have allowed our hot springs in the refreshing cool springs to come together where it's polluted. God is saying to his church, I am going to pour out my spirit like a clear river. And whoever gets in the river of God is going to be healed. And there are going to be trees where the fruit and the leaves of these trees will heal nations. I want to hear God. I want to hear God. I want to hear God. Father, right now, give us ears.
to hear what the Spirit is saying to us City Church, California. Father, we pray that voice of the Spirit come now on and in and around. I pray for adult children of ours that have maybe walked away from God. They no longer are paying attention. I say you wake up in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. They will not go for this opinion and that opinion. They're going to open up to the Holy Spirit in the very voice of the living God. I call our children back into the voice of God. I call our family back into the voice of God. Our God is not mute. Our God is not deaf. Our God is a speaking God and we are a hearing people. Woo! I command it in the name of Jesus Christ. I command my family Hear God, hear God. If you know someone whose ear has gone dull, come on, begin to speak to them. Take 30 seconds. You hear God. You're gonna have ears that hear, eyes that see. You're not just gonna be going just after the money. You're gonna go after God in faith. That is real gold. What is it if we own everything but we have no faith? There are people here, you heard God say something, but you're now moving and operating in the realm of emotion. And when your emotions are stirred up, your faith is robbed, it's normal standard of power. In Jesus' name, I will hear, I will believe, and I will obey in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you give the Lord a shout, a hand clap? Now, I still remember, I felt that knock. I was in eighth grade, then it came again. He's standing, there's only one door. God himself will never shut or open. It's the door of your heart. And that's where he ends with little Yada sin. I stand at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. And he or she who opens that door gives me access. With his door, doors are really small, but it opens up. It's a pathway to something God wants to come into all your life. He is standing knocking at the door of your heart. Will you open? Will you say, come in? I'm going to count to three. And if you've never really fully opened that door, some of you have opened, you go, I don't know, I don't trust. Come on, some of you open the door to the devil. Shut the door. Keep out the devil. Open the door. Bring in Jesus. Come on. I'm going to count to three. You'll raise your hand. You're going to open that door. That you Really? You're going to do this and you're going to open it. It's not locked. You just have to turn by faith that knob and open it. On three, you'll raise your hand. I'm opening the door of my whole life to God. On three, one, you're going to raise your hand. Two, three, right now, raise your hand. I want to open the door. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? There's more than just two. Thank you, son. Somebody cheer, clap, stop in Jesus' name. I know there's got to be someone over here. Come on, open the door. Give access in Jesus' name. Everyone say, Jesus, I open the door of my heart. Come in. Fellowship with me. Talk with me. Tell me I'm your own. I want to hear you. I want to obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.